We've been last four weeks talking on a series that's just unlike anything I've ever had Amen. the opportunity to preach called I Dare You. Yes. Amen. Today's part five. We, we've talked about I Dare You. Listen to these titles we've looked at over the last four weeks. I Dare You to Become the Wealthiest Person That You Know. Yes. Amen. I Dare You to Become the Most Highly Favored Person in the World. Amen. I Dare You to Be the One with the Greatest Faith in Town. Amen. And last week, dared you to be the healthiest person among yes. your peers, Amen. live the longest and the strongest. That's right. And uh, today, Susan and I just got back, and, and little James got back from Colorado, spending some time out with Christian, and uh, got back yesterday. And uh, while I was out there praying one morning, the Lord spoke to me about the message I'm supposed to share with you this morning. And then he told me, what he said, I want you to finish it the next week, and I think next week is Father's Day, right? Yes. And I'm telling you what, go, it, get back to treating church the way you're supposed to. Church is where you don't just come get fed, but you bring somebody else to get fed or get Amen. turned on. You come on Father's Day, bring all the men that will come with you. Amen. And what we're going to preach next week is, is absolutely going to be a salvation full message about being full of God. But today I want to talk to you about being the most alive person in the whole universe. Now what do you mean most alive person? Well, a lot of people are dead while they live. One of the big detectors that you can look and see a person, I, I'm, I've been a... You know, people collect different things, you know, and everybody has hobbies and collect. Some people collect cars, some people collect furniture, some people collect. Now, I collect people. I learned from another author years ago when I like to read after and that he did that. And I thought, well, that's exactly what I do. I collect people. I, I, I meet people and I just kind of fall in love with them and they just, they just come into my collection some way. You know, I just, I just hold on to them. I don't mean I've got them at the house on display. But I sort of just hold on to people and I just think, you know, because they, they put so much into me and I just, if, if I meet somebody like that, I just hold on to them and I, I just, that's part of my collection. And I, I love them and they, they begin to, I feed off of them in other words and they feed off maybe sometimes things I say, but you know, I like to just grow from people like that. But one of the big things I, I like because I'm a, I'm a people, I'm an observer of people. I like to watch people. I, Susan likes to go to the mall and shop. I like to go sit and just watch people. Yeah, it's just fun to watch people. At the airport, we had the privilege of just watching people. People are funny, they're entertaining, they're interesting. Amen. And um, Amen. one of the biggest detectors, and I think you'll know this is so, and it doesn't have to do with just age. You're going to think what I'm talking about is just if you get old, this is certainly geared toward that too. But, it's, but I've seen young people in this same state. But you can look at a person's eyes and see whether they're alive or dead. Mm. Now, I'm not talking about That's physically true. the heartbeat. I'm just saying when you see a person's eyes begin to, to wane. Now, I've been a pastor for 40 years. I watch girls' eyes growing up in the church. When a girl loses the twinkle of her eye, I know she's lost her virginity. And they hold on to that until they do, if they, if they lose it wrongly. Now, a wife keeps a twinkle. Yes. Married right. commitments Amen. keep those twinkles. And God can restore a twinkle. Right. If you trust him, he'll restore a twinkle. But I mean, I can just see those kind of things. But eyes, are, is the, some people say it's the window to the soul. But do you ever notice when a person's slipping from life, their eyes become distant and they lose that glow. And, that, and, and you see people moving about. Sometimes you see, and, and, and this don't always have to do with age. I think a lot of times it has more to do with medication than anything people get on. And all of a sudden their eyes begin to just don't have that life. But I'm going to preach to you real quickly this morning what will put that sparkle back in your eyes and make you alive again. Amen. Wow. I thought I was going to preach today on being intrepid. I, I wanted to say, be the most intrepid person you know, you know. And the Lord kept saying, no, not the whole sermon, but he said, I want you to work it in. He began sharing this with me while I was out, out in Colorado Springs. And, and he said, I want you to put that in there. What, you know what intrepid means to be intrepid? 
Here's the definition. You ought to write this down because this has a big part of what I'm talking about today. To be an intrepid person. The word intrepid means to be courageously fearless. Okay. And, and, but, but here's a better word you ought to add to this. Adventurously Amen. fearless. Amen. We're not afraid of adventure. Right. Amen. Now, this don't, again, this doesn't have to do this with old age. It can be young enough to be, even young, be brave enough, intrepid enough to, to try and be daring. Have you ever, now Susan said something the other day, and this is not to make fun of her because this has happened to a lot of you. We were, we were at a place, we went to the Cheyenne Zoo while we were out there one day, and we're walking around and, and had a thing that you go up pretty high and you're looking out over, you know, over the zoo. And while we were up there, Chris and I and James walked up to it and we were looking out over the edge trying to find the gorillas or whatever we were looking for, you know. That, and we're looking down and, and I looked back and Susan was coming up to it kind of like this, like... You know, like this. But, you know, it just was so high. You know, she said, James, she said, told me later, she said, why did I do that? She said, I didn't used to be like that. She said, I'm going to start doing more things like that so that I get used to that again. I said, that's exactly right. That's intrepid. Your fear tells you to sit down and don't move toward that. But see, your faith says, I'm going to get over that fear where I can enjoy that too. I mean, if y'all can enjoy looking over the edge, I can enjoy looking over the edge. Well, not just heights like that. That's not just what I'm talking about. But learn to just move into things. I was reading about a guy the other day. He was 90. Uh, eight years, I think it was, it was 90 something. It might've been 93 or 98, but I think he was 98 years old and got his diploma from college. Wow. Went back to college and got that. Well, wow. no, no, not just young people. I mean, I've, not just old. I mean, please understand this. I've read about, I was reading about somebody the other day that I think they made their first movie and directed it when they were 13. Oh, wow. Wow. I read about a, a, a little girl that wrote a book that became pretty popular when they were young. Uh, who was it? Bach or one of, those, one of the great uh, musicians that picked up, I believe it was Bach, but even Beethoven, whoever it was. It was, might have been the dog, Beethoven. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> but one, one, of them, one of the great musical men like that, classical music like that, picked up an instrument, at, I think it was at four years old, and began to learn to play the, the cello. You know, It's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you saying, Brother James? I, I'm saying pick one up at your age. Right. Something. Amen. I mean, begin to do something that puts life back in you. Right. Listen, it, it, this morning, I looked out my window, my front window. We have these magnolia trees in our yard. We've lived in this house for nearly 17 years, and those magnolia trees have never, ever had a bloom. Period. In the 17 years I've been there. I know nothing about magnolia trees other than I know those magnolia trees. We've got about seven of them or eight, I don't know, and, and just throughout our little wooded area in the front. And they never, and this morning, one tree had two blooms. Wow, praise God. And I thought, something good's happening today, man. This is awesome. That, I went out and looked at them. I was going to cut one and bring it home to you, but I didn't feel like climbing the tree. When I got out there, it was way up, and I thought, I'm not climbing the tree for y'all this morning in my, in my, <laughs> in my pajama pants. Not my yoga pants, but in my pajama pants. But I got to looking at that, and I thought, boy, that'll preach. Our lives are a lot like that. The Bible tells us real plain, don't compare yourself That's with people. That's right, amen. That's right. Why not compare yourself? Because everybody's different. That's right, amen. Everybody's completely different. No, no one remembers a field. Nobody will remember a beautiful yellow flower if it's in a field of yellow flowers. Amen. But if you go to a field of yellow flowers and you see one purple flower blooming out there, you'll remember that purple flower. And like those magnolia trees, we're different. We don't all bloom at the same time. That's right. Amen. That's right. Wow. You may be a late bloomer, but just make sure you bloom. That's right. Amen. Early bloomer, late bloomer makes no difference. Just make sure that you bloom in your time. But but don't ever compare it because somebody else is doing what they're doing. They're different than you are. That's right. Amen. And just say, you know what? Be be intrepid enough to be yourself. That's right. 
And I'm not talking about be weird and those kind of things. I'm just saying, in other words, find what your goals are, do them, and realize that you don't have to be like anybody else. And don't give up on your life at some certain age. Because you're too young or too old. Everybody has a... Your mom probably was a good cook. My mother was and wonderful cook. And you probably had favorite meals and things like that, things she cooked that was your favorite. And, yeah. and we were out in Colorado, Susan cooked fried chicken because that's one of Kristen's favorite. And we don't get that very often anymore because we don't eat fried foods hardly ever. And so Susan cooked that and just, you know, all the neighbors come out, what's that smell? You know, not really, I'm just kidding. But we had a great meal. But anyway, my mother was like that. She cooked things. But then you're probably like me. Your mom probably did one thing that you absolutely hated. Yeah, you got any list like that? I had, let me tell you mine that I hated. My mother, this was one of her desserts at Christmas time. It's called congealed salad. Now, uh, I'm sorry, that taste went, just thinking about it. Congealed salad is kind of a jello type thing. I mean, I'm sure there's different recipes, but jello that I remember, I mean, this kind of, you, know, you can see it almost now, but it was this jello thing and she'd put in it, sometimes some people put fruits, uh, vegetables in it, but they'd be fruits like the white grapes and chunks of pineapple and things that normally you'd like in the right setting and coconut or, and nuts and whatever might be in it and then it just sort of congealed, <laughs> stiffened. It went from a liquid, congealed means it goes from a liquid form to a solid form and those grapes that I normally would like were just sort of suspended there <laughs> and all these things are just sort of, it's congealed, that's what the word congealed means. Congealed means to coagulate, there's a, there's a medical term for your blood, you don't want your blood to coagulate. But if you die, you will. And there's those grapes just suspended. And I'm telling you something. You can almost look in the face of people and tell at what point in their life they congealed. Wow. 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 And they just sort of froze in time. And you can wow. know when you see a person that's just sort of congealed in their life, you know there's going to be no more amazing stories from their wow. life. There's going to be no more wow. surprises. They have nothing else to give. Their life to them is over. And if you find yourself in that place today, I'm going to show you real quickly now how you can come out of it. We're going to look at some scriptures that will bring some of these things out. So you're supposed to be free, not congealed. And I just thought that was a good news. Our life is supposed to be moving and growing into new, exciting, stimulating beings all the time. But the reason I say that, and I don't mean to spend so much time on this, but you were created with the capacity of the Creator in His very own image. So it's sad to let your life stop at some place in your life when you're designed to keep going. Amen. And so that's why I say just learn to stay alive all your life. Your job is to stay alive while you live. For some people, maybe stay awake. Have you ever known people that were asleep while they lived? They kind of slept through life and missed out on things. That's the way a lot of, a lot of people are. I picked a scripture. Look at this up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We're all familiar with it. Of course, many times the scripture says the just shall live by faith, right? So you know that we live. I'm emphasizing the word live. We live by our faith. But I picked this one. This one, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 is a familiar verse. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Right. Now, the reason I picked this, because in most translations where it says walk by faith, it actually translates, we live by faith. Yes. Amen. And I want to, again, stress to you this word live. We live by faith. We don't die by faith. We don't walk around as zombies while we live. We live by our faith. Amplified puts it this way. We're living our lives. Now, this is where it says the just shall live by faith, or, or where it says we walk by faith, whether we live by faith, not by sight. We are to live our lives in a manner consistent with and confident belief, our, our, excuse me, consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. Amen. Amen. Now, do you understand how that will change the direction of your day wow. if you actually lived in, a, in consistence with your confident belief in Him? Wow, that's good. Why have you lost the 
awakeness, the twinkle of your eye. Why have you lost those excitement? See, listen, if I could just give you one thing before we go home today, you, you've got to get something, and God's got it for you. All you got to do is go to Him, but you got to get something that makes it worth getting out of bed in the morning. That's right. If you don't have something that makes you get up earlier than you normally would, just say, man, i got to get this day done. If you don't have something like that, then you're dead while you live. Right, amen. Listen, don't throw this aside because it's not hard to find something. Right. you just got to get back in. I want to show you just a couple of scriptures that will bring some of this out. The easy-to-read version says, we live by what we believe will happen. Boy, I wish that would be an amen spot for some of you. We live by what we believe will happen. Now, a person that lives their life like this would be very much alive. This kind of a belief has to affect the way that we conduct ourselves all the time. Now, you can't talk about life without looking at this scripture, John 10. Remember how Jesus says, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I'm come that you might have what? Life. And have that life in a more abundant way, right? So certainly we're talking about the last half of this verse, but let's just stop a minute and emphasize the part we don't spend so much time on. Look at the first half of the verse. It says, the thief cometh not but to steal. He's come to kill. And he's come to destroy. In other words, if you're not in life, you're over in this place where he's stealing, killing, and destroying you. And this is the death that I'm talking about, where, where you're Satan's prisoner in your life. This... Now, a lot of times we associate this with older people because they have a tendency to think because I'm older, I can't do anything. I don't have anything left to give. I, you know, my life's over. And, and if you live like that, you just get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And you'll find out that sickness is going to be because a lot of times we don't have this joy about the future and this expectation. Notice this thief, the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In the W.E. translation, look at this. It says, the thief comes only to steal from the sheep, steal the sheep, and to kill them and to spoil them. So that's what Satan's trying to do with just robbing our dreams and visions from us. That's all he has to do. But of course, Jesus said, I've come that you, look at the last part, that people might live instead of be dead. Now, he wasn't talking about resurrecting everybody out of the tombs. He didn't do that, not at that time. He's talking about people that I run into that are dead, that they'll start living again. You remember where Jesus talked about if you give up your life, you'll gain it and that kind of thing? He's talking about gaining your life by giving up whatever you think is living and turn loose of that. You have to turn loose of something to get something from God. Uh, Somebody, I I don't remember where I ran across that, but the other day it just got strong in me. Oh, I told it to Susan. There's some things you just have to let go of so that your hand will be free so God can get something to you. Mm-hmm. There's some things. Well, well, you were preaching that. Yeah, you were preaching that the other night on Wednesday night. As long as your hand's full of one thing, you can't get the things that you need. Remember Amen. Susan preaching that a few Wednesday nights ago? Jesus said, I come that you might enjoy life to the full. This, my, my message to you today is not everybody's enjoying life to the full. Right. That's right. Amen. That's right. That's why some people are hard to preach to. They're not enjoying life to the full and they have no expectation, but we're going to change that this morning. Amplified says, I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Absolutely begins to overflow in their lives. Can you imagine a life that's overflowing? But notice what I underline there, to the full. Not everybody's living life to the fullest. The CEB version puts it like this. says, I came so that they could live life to the fullest. Really live. Well, other translations, just watch this. Just other translations. Life, one translation says, in its fullest measure. Next one. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. And another translation said, I've come so that people may live so that they may enjoy life to the full. Amen. Absolute to the full. Amen. And everybody wants that. Everybody wants to have a vital, vigorous, energetic life. Right. Amen. And the very thing that we want is what Jesus said, I came to give. Amen. But not everybody has a full, energetic life. Right. And that's why I've got to spend some time on it. 
I'm going to give you a scripture now. I don't want to make you mad, but maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I do. Maybe I do. Yes. Maybe I want to make you mad enough to get kind of fighting mad a little bit, uh-huh. you know. You ever seen somebody just sitting there like they were a zombie, just dead to the world, and then you did something to make them mad? <laughs> you know, that, kind of like Red Fox, remember Fred Sanford, just sort of sitting there, you know, like this all the time, you know, and, and then Lamont would say something and just stir him up. He said, like, I might have raised you, but I'll knock you out. <laughs> Life to the full. What does it take to wake us up? Now, I'm going to give you a scripture that the Lord told me to share with you today. He said, you're going to have to make this yours. You ready for it? Here it is. Look at this. Matthew 8, 22. Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Now, he wasn't talking to a man in a grave when he said that. He was talking to a live man. He said, don't live your life associated with dead people and dead things. He said, let the dead bury their own dead. Because this is a man that said, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, uh, come on and follow me then. Take it, come on, follow me, come on. And the man said, well, let me first go back to my father's house and do this. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You want to live, you got to separate from some things. But just make your decision today. I'm not among the dead. I don't belong to the dead. I'm alive. And I dare you to become the most alive person that this universe has ever seen. You look at some folks, even in church, you just think, man, if I had a mirror, I could tell if they're alive. Maybe they'd fog a mirror because you don't know whether they are or other than. But become the most alive person, energetic and full of this kind of life that we're talking about. This is the way God wants us to live, and I dare you. And, and, and the, truth, the truth is, I preach this to you because you can do things. You say amen to that. I, I really don't have time to do this, but I'm just going to hit it real quick. But I, a newspaper uh, talked about a mother that a grizzly bear threatened the life of her child and she just, with her bare hands and an axe, killed that grizzly bear. Well, the thing is, we know, women can't kill grizzly bears with an axe, but she did. Because, you know, we call it superhuman strength and all this thing. What happens? They come alive when when something, a mama that couldn't do hardly anything. I remember sitting on a a church bus, going on a church trip with my church family one time when I was just a little boy, and this girl was telling me about the neighborhood. That She was a teenage girl, and I was smaller. And they were, you know how we were all talking on the bus. And she's talking about one of her neighbors where the bush hog on the back of the tractor, a three-point tractor, tractor hitch, where the bush hog came down on, I don't remember, I think it was on the sun. The daddy dropped it, and it, was, it came down on the sun. And the daddy just ran over there. The daddy just went over there and picked it up off of him. Wow. And, and they were talking about he tried to do it later, and he couldn't do it. But when his son was under there, he found what it took to, to come alive. Right. A, a Virginia man I was reading about, a Virginia man working on his car, Jeremy, up under the car working like this, and the jack tore up and it fell and crushed his chest. And his teenage daughter out there picked a two-ton car up off the top of her daddy, wow. pulled him out, and uh, kept him alive until the ambulance got there. Wow. Well, she can't do that, but she did. Right. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about superhuman strength today other than I'm just trying to tell you that things can be awakened in yeah. us by the circumstance oh, yeah. of the situation. Yeah. And if that's true, why not let the word awaken to us that, not, yes. not talking about lifting a car, that's not my point, although we would do it if we needed to, yes. but I'm talking about this could be my greatest days. Yes. Amen. Go back and get my diploma at 94. Amen. Skydive at 100. Amen. I, I, I would love it for this to excite. Some of y'all come back next Wednesday night and say, I, I went skydiving after church on yes. Sunday. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Glory to God. Susan might come Wednesday night and say, I just, I just got, got up on the roof and stood on the edge. <laughs> 
And you ask me, Brother James, did she really do that? I don't know. I couldn't watch. I just couldn't watch. <laughs> Be more intrepid. All right. The truth is you can do things. You can really do things. The strength is in you. It just has to be awakened to it. And everybody wants it. All right, how do we get it? People that are dead while they live, Jesus said, don't, don't, oh, excuse me, Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. And you have to make that decision. You're not among the dead. Like that flower, you just bloom. It may be my time. Now's my time. Maybe I hadn't had passed. It don't matter that I hadn't, but I'm going to do it. Not allow fear, discouragement, all these things, frustration that hold people back. And that's why I say become intrepid. I hope you wrote down that definition. That ought to become your new word, adventurously, fearless, daring, and bold, to do things. And what do you mean, brother? Do you mean go skydiving? No, I mean, for some of you, that'd mean go to Walmart. Just do something a little different. Don't be afraid to take a little bit of a risk. Anybody that's ever been successful says you've got to take risks to be successful at anything. Uh, I was reading one man, I, I forgot now who it was, because I was reading something that Einstein said, and he wasn't the one who said this, but it was somebody else along that. But somebody that made this statement that, you know, you've got to, your, your quote unquote, your failures, temporary failures, your failures actually become your schooling. Not your stopping point, not your congealing point. But failures become a point of learning things. Einstein, what he said was, he said, when you stop learning, he said you're dead. Not you're dying, you're dead when you stop learning. That's it. Now, I've got to show you how to get out of this and we'll close. You've got to write this down because this is, this is where I'm trying to get you to. So I'm daring you to come alive with this something new and get rid of, out of something to get you out of bed in the morning. That's my point. Because God never created you to run down anyway. He created you to just stay wound up with him all the time, alive and full of passion. Amen. Amen. Write it down. You've got to learn to get out of yourself. You've got to get out of yourself, which is the opposite of being self-centered. You know that. You got you got to quit living within. You got to start living without. That's what intrepid. You got you got to be outside people instead of inside people. You were not created to be inside people. Wow. Now now this is why so many people get sick, and this is why they get weak. Wow. This is why disease runs rampant. It's because people look inward. I, I have to share this story real quick with you. Years ago, when I was around thirty five. I started having some physical attacks on my body and it just, I mean, I would go through days that I just thought this is going to be the day I die. I, I, I just didn't know if I'd see the, the sunset. I, I was just had so many physical things going wrong. I mean, I was 35, 36 years of age. And this was one of those particular days we were at the old building up here, just up the road, just through the intersection on the left. And we were in some, most of y'all remember that little shopping center church and we were there. And it was one of those days that I didn't know if I'd make it through the day. I mean, just physically, I was having all these symptoms. I just, I just could hardly move. The more I thought about it, the worse it gets. And this is the point I'm trying to make. You all know that. So the more I looked inward like that, it just got worse and it seemed like it grew. And I was sitting there and I thought, I, I don't even know if I'll go home and see my children. I, I don't know if I'll ever make it to live. I mean, this is going to be it. I'm just going to die right here in this building. And about that time, I heard it out on the highway. <laughs> Two cars crashed. And I said, oh my goodness. And I ran out there. And a woman, you know, two, two people had hit, of course, two cars. And, and a woman was sitting there, and she's bleeding in the front seat, and we couldn't get her front door open. And, and so I, there I was, man, I was knocking out the back window, and I crawling in there and rescuing her, you know, trying to help her, and then you'll be all right. And, I mean, we spent probably 25 minutes waiting on the ambulance and everybody to get there, 20 or so minutes. And, and I'm just helping, and I'm working around. And I got through, you know, and the ambulance came and took over, and we got out. And I thought, ah, boy, I've, oh, yeah. I was dying today. And I learned a valuable lesson. I was dying because I was in myself. I was all in James. I was all in me. But when I got out and I thought about her and I was interested about her, all those symptoms of weakness left. And I'm telling you, you can lose all the weakness that says you can't do anything today if you'll just get your mind on other people. Is there a scripture that says that? Look quickly on the board. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. 
Then look up here quickly with me. Philippians 2, 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now that says it good, but look at this next translation, Amplified Bible. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Make sure that's right. Sure, you got to take care of, you know, self-preservation. We understand that. You got to look out and watch out and make sure you don't step here or that. I understand that. But don't just center on that. Make sure you're looking at the needs of other people. The easy to read version says, don't be interested only in your own life. Care about the lives of others too. Now, I'm telling you, when you do that, just like I learned that day that, that symptoms of weakness and, and, and disease or whatever that would make you feel like you're dying that day can leave just in a moment of getting your attention off yourself and on to other people. Now, when you, I read about a Florida man. Now, this, this was interesting. I read a story about a Florida man that he was a wealthy man, but he was dying, and he had to carry nurses with him because he couldn't do anything. And they said that he was in a hotel and he was just dying. And, and this was back, oh goodness, this would have been back probably in the 1940s in Florida. And he had to have these nurses with him all the time just taking care of him. And he just can't do anything. And his health was just going down, 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 down. And while he was there, he was sitting, they were sitting waiting on dinner that evening as people used to do. Sitting just kind of didn't have TVs and iPhones and all this in those days. You just enjoyed each other. And he said he was sitting there and unable to hardly move. And he was talking with another man. And the man was going to try to help him. And said, uh, you know, he thought, hey, he's got to get out of himself. Mm-hmm. He's got to get, quit being so self, because that's all you talk about. When you first meet him, they said, all you talk about is, oh, my disease. And I, was, I got on the phone with a friend, old friend I hadn't talked to in a long time the other day. And I just I had to call to talk to him just for a minute. And he talked for 45 minutes. I couldn't get a word in edgewise. And all he talked about is my disease, this, and my this, and I'm on this medication for that. And, and the doctor said, I didn't want to know any of that. He gave me a whole organ recital, went through every organ in his body. I didn't want it. And, uh, but yeah, that's what he, that's all he talked about because he was all in himself. And that's what this man was sitting next to this guy in Florida and said, you know what? I've got to get him out of himself. And there was a woman just across there at the hotel, across the little balcony, an older woman, kind of frail lady. She was trying to get her chair moved a little bit, a little iron chair, outdoor chair. And it had gotten hooked up under a rail and she was pulling on it. And so the man that was trying to help the man that was sick there in Florida said to him, said, go help that woman. get." He said, oh, I can't even get up. I can't. I said, yes, you can. Now get up, get out of yourself, go over and do that. And he said, I kept on until I told him, you'll actually feel better if you go help that woman. Right. And he said, he got up over and he went over there. And he, of course, the lady was still struggling with the chair. He said, ma'am, let me move that for you. He said, he done did that. And he just took, no, we're talking about something that didn't even take a full 60 seconds. And he said, he got it. And said, when he turned around to go back to his seat, said he had the biggest smile on his face. And he sat down by his friend and said, you know, that was invigorating. I actually feel good. He said, that's the way, the man told him, said, that's the way you come alive. He said, get busy doing things for other people, get your interest on other people, and you'll come alive. Now, that's the number one thing I can tell you today, is if you really want to come alive, and I dare you to become the most live person today, is be the most busiest looking out for other people's interests, helping other people, get your life about other people. Even if you're starting a business, don't start it just to get rich on, start it to say, this would make a great service for other people. If you're writing a book, you're writing a, doing something, I'm writing this because this could help people in the body of Christ. So this could help people come to Christ. Make it all about people. And when you do, all of a sudden, all the weakness and all the things, the twinkle will return back to your eyes. And you'll just get up in the morning and say, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to do my stuff today, man. I'm writing. Are you kidding? Come alive. The Message Bible says, now listen to this. This is powerful. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. That's what the man in Florida had to learn to do. Forget yourself long enough, lend a helping hand, and you'll start seeing yourself come alive like you're supposed to. 
So plan, now look, just write it down. Plan each day a space for this that I'm going to be a blessing to somebody. In other words, you start looking for things. Lord, what can I do to help somebody? And, and get your mind off of you and watch That's yourself right. come alive. Watch your health start. Right. The Bible talks about in Isaiah 58 about your health springing forth speedily. Watch your health come back. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself with the vigor of life that you, that you used to have. And then I got to give you this just real quick. Second thing to do, that's the first thing. Second thing, write this down, is start getting Holy Spirit insight into what you can become. You want to become alive instead of dead while you're living? Start asking the Holy Spirit to help you to know or to realize what you can become. What could really, what I really could do with my life. You know, I've already told you so many times that every year of your life, You'll look back at the year or the decade before and say, man, I was young back then. Why didn't I do more? Wow. But right now, if you're self-centered, you just say, I'm just too old to do anything. I'm just right. too old. You know, I, I told you, but this is just worth talking about. When I was 30, I went through, I thought, 30, I'm getting old now. I'm just old. How am I 30? How did I ever get to 30? And then I realized when I turned 40, I looked back and thought, doggone, I was young at 30. Why didn't I do more when I was 30? Yeah. But see, I was all centered in myself. Mm-hmm. And if you wow. center that, and I learned a lesson. It took me about two decades to get it, but I learned a lesson if I'm always going to look back a year or 10 years later and say, man, I was young back then, then why not be smart enough to realize it now that I'm going to one day, if, I'm, if, if you're 70, if you're 80, if you're whatever, you could look back and just say, I know there's coming a day. If you, let's just say you're 70 today. I'm just taking an age. And you say, I know, I feel old, but I know there's coming a day that I'm going to look back at this age I am right now and say, man, I was young. I mean, you know, think about it. If you're, if you're 80 today, just know that one day when you're 100, you're going to look back and say, gosh, I was a baby 20 years ago. Why didn't I do something with my life instead of sitting there flipping channels, going through Facebook? So why not just take that? So you know what? Bless God, I've got something to offer. And so what do you mean by this? Holy Spirit insight into what you can become. Start dreaming again. Say, bless God, this could be my better years. The Bible talks about it. I'm not even going to give you the scriptures on it, but the Bible talks about that your latter years are actually supposed to be better than your former years. You don't get old and run down. You just keep winding up. I dare you to become the most alive person that the world's ever heard about. With God's help, you can do it. Because you can have, I told you I was going to give you a scripture that you can have what you want. You're familiar with this? Look at this now. Second Thessalonians 1, 2. I, I know I hadn't asked you to turn to scripture. We was going to it. I'm just going to, because of time, I'm just going to preach it to you real quickly. But 2 Thessalonians 1, 2 is a very simple scripture. How many of you, when you read verses like this, you usually pass over them real quickly? Grace be to you, peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you go and read the epistle, right? I mean, that's just, but look at this. Have you ever thought about these words? Gary, I know Brother Gary up here, every time you say that word peace, what do you think of, Gary? Shalom. Nothing broken, nothing missing. I, I, that's powerful. Have you ever thought about stopping on that verse? Grace be unto you. Paul said that to you. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father. The message translation brings it out. Are you ready? Yes. If I don't get a shout out of you over this, you can just go join First Church of the Frigidaire. I'm not going to be able to help you. I've already decided. All right, you ready? Yes. <laughs> Look at this. Message Bible says, our God gives you everything you need and makes you everything Woo, you're to be. That's, that's all in that right there. That's all in grace to you, peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. See, when he says grace, that's everything God's got belongs to you. When he says peace, that means he won't keep anything from you. So again, message says our God gives you everything you need. He makes you everything you are to be. But you've got to start dreaming a little bit. Dream yourself doing something, accomplishing something beyond your education limit or going back to school if that's what the Lord wants you to do or become an artist at whatever you know, you're skilled at doing. 
you know, I, I was, uh, where were we the other day? But I saw a painting. Anyway, but a little girl had painted it, and it became a, a very important painting. One man at the, I read this the other day. These, I hope these are helping you because they help yes. me. They're encouraging yes. me. Some of you, I see they're affecting. Others yes. are like, yes. <laughs> become more intrepid. Yes. Try church without your clock one time. Yes. I read one man, a man had been married 70 years, and his wife died. And he was, he was, oh goodness, at that time, 94, I believe it was. And you know what he did at 94 when his wife died? He wrote a book about his experience with his life, and it became a good seller. I mean, just, you know, did something with his life. What could you do? What could you offer? Dream about it. And the more you dream it, just stand on this scripture. God can make me everything I need to be. He'll, he'll turn me into that thing. And so don't, don't turn there. But look at this, Isaiah 60, because of time we're out. But remember, Isaiah 60, what does it say? Arise and shine, for your light has come. Now, now look at this. You ought to write down this reference, Isaiah 60, 1 through 5. I'm going to encourage you to read it when you go home, but you won't find it in the King James Version. So do a little study on your internet, to, on, on your, uh, what do you call it, Bible gateway, so you can see a little bit of this. But it actually says in verse 5, it says, when you arise and shine for your light has come, the glory of the God is risen. He said, and you start doing things like that, it says the thrill will return to your heart. The thrill, the excitement, the joy will return to your heart. Rather than getting up in the morning, oh, you know, some people get up and say, Good morning, Lord. Others say, Good Lord, it's morning, you know. But you, it changes if you say, Good morning, Lord. This is going to be a great day. I told you this years ago. This is, listen to this. Y'all remember this? There was an old preacher. He's in heaven now. He lived to be, how old did he live to be? 97, I think, or 98. This was a prayer I learned from him. I said this to y'all about three or four years ago. Y'all write it down. This was his prayer. He would pray this every morning. Now, this is simple. It's not hard. You can do it shorthand if you want to, but it's not long. He'd say, he said, good morning, Lord. What are you up to today? Can I get involved? Wow, that's good. That's that was his, good. that was not the only prayer he prayed, but that's how he started out. Good morning, Lord. What are you up to today? Can I get involved? Ooh, that's good. And he said, I want to be, and he lived to be way on up in his 90s, and he was still preaching when he went to be with wow. the Lord. Isaiah 61 says the thrill, verse 5 says the thrill will return to your heart in some versions. So do a little study on that. And then the last one, just write it down. I'm not going to turn there. Ezekiel, we're going to do, don't get mad at me, but it's just time went away. The Holy Spirit did several things for us today. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 5, and I close. That is where the Lord came to the prophet Ezekiel and showed him a valley of dry bones. You remember that? What did the Lord ask him? Can these bones live? And he said, Lord, I don't know. I mean, you know, goodness, I mean, dead bones, can they live again? And the Lord said, prophesy to those bones. Now, what does that mean? Start speaking That's to those right. bones. Amen. I'm telling you, I don't care how dry your bones are today. If you'll start speaking yes. your dreams and yes. your visions Amen. to yourself and say, today I'm going to accomplish something big for God. Amen. Don't you go out of here saying this, I'm not old enough for this message today. You, you go out of here saying, I'm too young to not accomplish something in my life. I'm too old to let it go by. I'm going to take advantage of everything. And I dare you to become the most alive person in this planet. In Jesus' name. Stand up with me. Father, I thank you for the word. We say the word will not return void. But every man and woman, boy and girl, every person in this church, Lord, is going to connect to the life-giving force of Jesus and come alive today with the life that belongs to us. We thank you for it. Say it with me. I'm blessed. The blessing is working in my life. Jesus lives big inside of me. And I can do anything and all things through Jesus who's strengthening me now. And I call myself alive. My dreams are alive. My goals are alive. I'm going to think about them all the time. And they're going to get bigger. And I'm intrepid 
enough to triumph in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Give the Lord a shout and an amen over there. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we worship you today. Lord, we, we've been a long time. Is there anything we need to do that you want us to do?